Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are studying the Prophet, the Navi Zephania, Zephaniah, chapter 2. And I am Saul Weiner, the host of the podcast. In the last chapter, chapter 1, we learned how God will gather the entire world and all of its inhabitants for judgment. And then, then the Prophet kind of zeroed in. He started with the whole world, went to human beings, and eventually aimed his words at the people of Yehuda, the people of Judah. The, um, and also his main criticisms of the people of Yehuda were those that were uh, dishonest in their business practices, um, those that took advantage of the poor, that, that um, took economic advantage of the poor specifically. And he ended with the admonition that the punishment that God will mete out against the people of Yehuda would be significant, and he described that in gory detail. But, but that, and that um, the idea that no matter how much money you have, that's not going to save you from God. In other words, all this money that you accumulate, that you think is so valuable to the extent that you rob other people of it, and you're dishonest, that it's not going to help you when the day comes about. And this chapter there's several things that are different number one the focus of the chapter is not against the people of Yehuda but now he kind of zeroes out before he was he started with the whole world and then ended up talking to the people of Yehuda and eventually the people of Jerusalem specifically and eventually the people within Jerusalem who were the the, the, the criminals so to speak now he's kind of zeroing out he's going to go look around at the nations that surround Yehuda also, his main focus is not going to be on specifically financial issues, but it's the issues of arrogance and pride. Sometimes, of course, the two go head, uh, hand in hand, but his focus is going to be on, 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 on humility, righteousness, and on the, the fact that God will punish those who are arrogant that refuse to be humble. Um, so, let's begin. The first uh, verse... Uh, there's numerous translations of this verse, and I'm going to go through several of them. Now, I've identified about five, maybe even six different ways to understand this. So first of all, what does vakoshu mean? So um, one would be the translation of the Radak who explains it as follows. To Hitkoshishu from a language like Koshesh, Kash, which he understands as searching. So he's saying search and search yourself. In other words, he's telling the people that they should search out their deeds. And we'll see how this fits with the next verse in a minute. Search out your deeds. Hagoi, the nation, lo nechsaf, which is, does which doesn't desire to search themselves. In other words, so the prophet is giving advice. He's saying, people, search through your deeds, improve yourselves, and he calls them the nation that doesn't want to do this. And he's telling them, do it, even though you don't want to. Um, the next verse would then fit, because the next verse says, do this, before God comes and punishes you. In other words, save yourselves by searching out your deeds. The rabbis of the Talmud and Chazal, they explain that Koshishu koshu means uh, um, look at yourself first. Kshot atzmochatrila hit koshishu. Look at yourselves, koshu, before you go and start looking 
and searching out other people's deeds. That's uh, one of the things uh, that would go along with that. The Eben Ezra has a completely different understanding of this word. He understands the word hitkoshishu as to argue and to prove. So according to the Eben Ezra, what it would mean is it's a very different, um, and, and he also translates nol nechsaf, meaning you, the nation who is disliked by other nations. Nechsaf from a language of, 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 a, of, of desire for something, a want for something. Lo nechsaf, you're the nation that no one wants to have. Uh, so, and God is advising them, prove yourselves, meaning argue, defend yourselves, you, the nation who nobody wants to talk to. Um, Rashi understands the word hitkoshishu as to gather together and he also uses koshesh kash which we have in the Torah by the gatherer of wood um, that hitkoshishu means gather yourselves together and gather your, your actions together vakoshu you nation lo nechsaf that does not desire to come together as a people so number one it means come together as a people and number two get yourself together so to speak get your get your stuff together so that you can come you i know you know you don't want to do that before god but do it because god is coming um the uh, the the mitsudos understands this a little differently uh he also thinks that it means search like the radak said and he says it means it search yourselves search yourselves but the second part you nation that doesn't want to doesn't mean that doesn't want to search yourselves but it means the nation that is not the language of, of nichsaf meaning here to to love or to desire you nation that is not desired by god so then it would mean it koshu koshu um search yourselves you nation who is not desired by god now who is this nation is this nation israel so that would be the 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 first thought that this Gailo Nechsaf is a reprimand of Israel. But actually, if we look carefully, and we'll see this as we see the next few verses, why I understand it this way, that he's actually talking to the, all nations of the world. And I'll, in other words, he's telling, he's focusing on all the other nations around him, and he's saying, you, you, the nations that aren't, you don't have your act together, get your act together because of what I'm about to say. Um, which is verse two, Beterem ledet chok, before the, the 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 decree the of God to punish you is born before it happens. Kimots ovar yom, because ovar yom the day is going to pass quickly, just like the chaff from from the wheat just blows away in the wind. Uh, it's going to happen real fast. Beterem lo yavo alechem karunaf adonai before. The anger of God comes down upon you. Fix yourselves. And he kind of says it repeatedly, emphasizing it again. There's something terrible coming. So you better act now. Get your act together. Fix yourselves. And do something. Because, because do it before you don't have... There's no more time left. Search out God. Call on Ve'aretz. All those of you out there in the, in the, in the world... And I'm translating Haaretz here, meaning the entire land of the world. Uh, and, I'll, and we'll see as the chapter continues why I'm translating it this way. Asher mishpato pa'alu, those of you who are keeping God's rules. Bakshu tzedek, start searching out righteousness. Bakshu anavo, start searching out humility. Ilai biyom because maybe you'll be able to uh, tisasru, find 
shelter as the translation that I saw which is really appropriate here maybe you'll be able to get away maybe you'll be able to save yourselves and why is it because and here's where I know that this time he's referring to all the surrounding nations remember he's doing the opposite of zeroing in now he's zeroing back out last chapter I was focused on Yehuda on Judah the people of Judah in front of me now I'm talking to all the nations around me because very soon ki azuvatihia the area of Aza or Gaza is going to be left behind, it's going to be deserted. And Aza is the land of the Philistines. The Ashkelon and the city of Ashkelon, the Shmama. Aza Azuva, you have to look at the um, issue here is, is, is the poetic language using uh, this play on words. Aza Azuva, Gaza will be abandoned. The Ashkelon, this, the, that kind of poetry you can only see in the original Hebrew. The Ashkelon, the Shmama. Ashdod and Ashdod Batsoharaim Garshua, the people uh, that li- the city of Ashdod in the evening, uh, uh, I'm sorry, during the day, uh, in the afternoon, Yigarshua, that she will be expelled. The Ekron and the city of Ekron, Teoker, will be uprooted. Again, a play on words, Ekron, Teoker. Um, we'll see some more of those uh, duality of words and plays on words. Uh, as we go on. So what 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 Stefania is doing here is he is looking at all the nations around and saying and telling them search righteousness, search humility because if you're not going to be humble, you're going to get destroyed and you better do it fast because the time is up or the time is almost up. The um uh he continues to focus again on all the other nations around him. Um I just I want to point out here how remarkable this is because what Sefania is doing is he is openly addressing the nations surrounding surrounding him the other nations and openly predicting that they're going to get destroyed if they don't repent if they don't come back to God if they don't become humble and he's begging them to do so so he's not wishing upon them destruction even though these are the enemy countries rather he's wishing upon them and hoping that they return to God and we'll see more of this as we go on. Now he's focusing. Um, woe is to those that live on the coast of the sea, the nation of Kiretim. Um, most understand that the nation of Kiretim is 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 an, is a either a, a subgroup within the Philistines or it's just another name for the Philistines. And Devar Adonai Aleichem Kenan Eretz Pilishtim, the word of God is coming against you, those that live in the in the land of Canaan, the land of the Philistines, which is within the boundaries of the land of Canaan, Canaan. And I will destroy you. This is what the word of God is, with no more people living there. And the the coast of the sea is going to become a um, a place of kiros roim, a um, a a place of uh, where where the um, a nevos is a place where where they live kiros and where they dig is how the radak explains it roim. So a place where the shepherds dig themselves. Uh, 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 whole, whole places so that they can build Vigidro's stones so that they, that they can make um, uh, pens for their sheep 
so you're going to be taken over um your cities are going to be destroyed and it's just going to be desolate and all you'll have there is is shepherds just um uh you know uh grazing their their sheep who are going to be grazing their sheep there the on the seacoast when you get thrown out your enemies he's talking to the philistines the remaining people of the people of Yehuda of Judah will alehem your own. So just like when when the prophets and Sephania and all the other prophets, when they're criticizing Yehuda and predicting destruction, they talk about how their enemies are going to graze on the land that used to be part of Judah. God, when Sephania the Navi is talking directly to the people of, of the Philistines, he's telling them that when God destroys you, your enemies, meaning the people of Judah, are going to be uh, grazing their sheep on your land. Bivate Ashkelon, grazing in the houses of Ashkelon, which is the city of the Philistines. Be'erevirbatsun, in the evening, they're just going to go ahead and lie down in the homes that used to be yours. Because God is going to remember them. Vishov Shivisam. I'm going to translate those last two words in a minute. But over here, the idea is... Um, the She'eris Yehuda, the remainders of Yehuda, and who are those remainders? Those are the, the the humble ones, the ones that I didn't destroy, the ones that 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 remained humble before God, the ones that re, that were righteous, that were just. Those are they're going to remain, and they're going to destroy you, the Philistines, if you don't heed my warning, and repent and and come and be humble. The Shav Shivi Sum, the last two words of this verse seven. He's saying that God is going to return their returnees. That would be one way of understanding this. This is one of those places where the Masoretic text has two versions. The traditional text here has two versions of this last word, shivusam, which would mean those that return, or shivisam, which would mean something more like um, their their um, their fortunes. God is going to restore their fortunes. I saw in the JPS translation. So it would, so he's warning the, the Philistines that this is what's going to happen. And now he goes and turns to other nations in the area. Remember, Tzfania now is standing in Judah, but he's looking at the surrounding nations, the enemies, and he's begging them, guys, get your act together before God comes and gets you. So first he looked to the Philistines and said, what's going to happen to them if they don't return? Now he looks to an, an other countries. Shamati Cherpas Moab. I have heard the Cherpa the, of the Moabites. How Cherpa meaning how they embarrass God and ashamed God and they stand up to God and they refuse to be humble. Vigidufe Bnei Amun and all of the things that the Amunites say about God. Asher Cherfu Esami that they make fun of and they insult my nation and they go ahead and they think themselves that they're so great because of what they have and all their power so again he's criticizing specifically the pride and when someone is pride what do they well, someone is too proud what do they do they go and they make fun of others in this particular case god says you're making fun of my nation you think you're so great therefore verse 9 i swear says god so says God of Israel, the God of Israel, Ki Moab, the people of Moab, Kisedom will end up being destroyed like Sedom, like Sodom, Amon, and the people of Amon, Ka will be like Amora. There's another play of words, Amon Amora. Um, I didn't point this out before, but when he criticized the people of uh, the of um 
Kiresim in verse 5, he said, you're going to be like Kiros Roim, another play on words where they dig places to put their, their sheep pens. Well, let's continue. I, I'm, I'm going to destroy Moab and Ammon like Sodom and Amor. I'm still in the middle of verse 9. All you're going to be able to hear there, and this is how the Radak translates it, is the noise of the wind blowing through the weeds that are growing. And just, and just lumps of salt all over the ground. And will be destroyed forever. And the remainder of my nation, again, the remainder of my nation, we're going to see in the next chapter who's going to remain from the people of Judah the one who are who have overcome that sin of haughtiness and pride the ones who are humble uh, if we look at, if specifically at verse in chapter 3 verse 12 which we're going to do in the next podcast it def- defines who this Sheir is I mean, who's the remnant of the people of Judah the same word uh, who's going to be the remnant those that are humble and poor the ones of Chasu, the ones that Shem Adonai, the ones that take refuge in God. This, that's the Sheiris that's going to go ahead and inherit your land. Der Yivazum, goyi in and the remainder of my nation. After I'm finished meeting out my justice against them, the remainder of my nation, the righteous ones, in Cholom, are going to end up inheriting the lands which once belonged to Moab and Ammon, which were are being punished for their pride. And again, God uh, emphasizes the reason why I'm punishing them, he says in verse 10, is because of their haughtiness, their pride, their arrogance. Because they made fun of and they insulted they made it as if they were greater uh, over the nation of God. They made fun of the Israelites because they were more powerful and they were bigger and they were better. And because of that, I'm punishing them. God is going to be fearsome and awesome to them. Because he is going to starve out. It's all of the gods of all the other lands. And this is where, when it says Ha'aretz here, clearly it means all of the lands around. Tzephani uses this term to refer to all of the lands and all the countries that are around. Which again means to me that when we said back in in uh, in verse three, and it says Bakshu Esad Donai Kol search out God, all those who are humble in the land. It's the same thing. He was talking to all of you that are humble that are out there. Search for God. Come back to God. And now he's saying. Uh, that God is going to starve out all of the gods of the land. The relationship between um, arrogance and pride, the bad kind of pride, and idol worship is again emphasized here by Tsefania. The last verse, I'm punishing you because of your pride and I'm getting rid of all of your idols. This is a, a, a something which is a point that all of pretty much every prophet has emphasized and I've pointed this out throughout the podcast that the main issue with with idol worship is the one is worshiping the work of his own hands is that it has to do with arrogance this is a point that's been driven home over and over and over again that the prophets don't seem that upset about the um theological error of polytheism although they do but that's not the main thing the main thing they worried about is that what polytheism is that it leads to arrogance and and um, and then all of the men, all of the human beings, each all human beings will bow down to God from His place. 
This is interesting because it specifically points out from his place that they're able to worship God. But once God comes and punishes the prideful ones, the ones that are left, they will start bowing to him from their places. They don't necessarily need to be in Jerusalem or Zion, but from their places. Kol Hagoyim, all of the far-flung places of, of the, uh, and the far-flung countries of the nations, they will all, those that remain after the day of punishment, those that were humble and did follow the, the prophet's advice, will be um, then bowing to God himself. And then the, the Navi continues and points his finger somewhere else. Gama tem kushim, even you far, far out, the people of Kush, which is generally understood to be Ethiopia, somewhere Sudan, a nation somewhere down there in Africa, which is a little bit farther away. He's going, remember, he's zeroing out now. You're also going to be destroyed by my sword. And also, I'm going to, this is verse 13, I'm going to look in the other direction, not south towards Africa, but north. I'm going to look north towards Assyria, and I'm going to destroy Assyria. This clearly does date Zephania to, we said in the, in the beginning of the first chapter, that Zephania said his prophecies in the, na- in the days of Yoshio, of Josiah, the king. Now we know that the first several years of, of, of the reign of the kingdom of, uh, of, uh, of the reign of Yoshio, of Josiah, the people were still, um, that were still uh, uh, evil, uh, corrupt and so on and then Yoshio and, and idol worship was was uh, spread throughout the land and Yoshio then led a major revolution and brought everyone back to God after several years into his reign now also we know that during the first several years of Yoshio's reign we know this from both historical records and the biblical records that that the um first several years were the last few years of the kingdom of Assyria and it was in the middle of Yoshio's reign where the Babylon, the people from Babylon ended up conquering the, the, the I'm sorry, the empire of Babylon ended up conquering the people the, the, the empire of Assyria so Tsefania here is obviously talking when the empire of Assyria still existed and the, its capital Ninveh still existed so he must have been speaking in the early years of Yoshio's reign which then also means that, Yosh, that the prophet Zephaniah, who is telling the people to return to God and predicting the destruction if they don't, that he was really, to a very large degree, successful in his message to the Jewish people because the king later did take heed and did lead a major revolution and bring the people back to God and got rid of idols and brought people back to the temple and so on. So there was a major revolution in uh, the people turning back to God that happened. Well, we don't know, it's not documented anywhere that it was directly a result of the words of Zephaniah, but certainly one would conclude that Zephaniah would have been one of the rare examples of a successful prophet. Uh, and certainly it's, it would seem that way. And God is going to, you know, let's go back to verse 13. He's going to turn his attention to the north and destroy Assyria. He will destroy its capital, Ninveh. It will be uh, dried out and parched like a desert. And within the, the, um, the, the lands of Assyria and the city of Ninveh, Again, it will be turned into pasture land for the animals 
that had belonged to the nations that lived around Assyria, the nations that used to be subjugated by Assyria, Assyria will be destroyed, Nineveh will be destroyed, and their land will just become a place where their, where their neighbors just bring things to pasture, gam ka'as, gam kipod, and the birds that typically inhabit uh, lands that uh, are ruined, uh, where humans left, uh, the ka'at and the kipod, uh, these are different kinds of birds um, uh, b- uh, translated I've seen as jackdaws and owls uh, uh, in their, in the, on the tops of the doorways on the lintels of the doorways they are going to make their nests uh, you're going to hear the sounds uh, of, of, of the birds chirping in the windows that used to be windows where pe- of houses that people live now they're just nests for birds chorev basaf um, destruction will be seen um, in the homes because the wood is it, the wood of the homes is stripped bare of all of the things that people the, the paint uh, you know I don't know if they had wallpaper then but you imagine walls that are stripped bare that's um, basaf I translated as uh, destruction will be seen basaf in the in the gateways would be one of the um, uh, ways to understand it or the thresholds will see destruction the last verse 15 to finish this chapter Zos ha'irha aliza this city that was so full of happiness we're talking about the city of Nineveh still hayosheves lovetach which was which was living securely, thinking that it, everything was cool. Ha'omra bilvavo said in her heart, Aniba afsiod, I, and, and there's nothing else but me, I am the biggest powerful city, I got everything, everything is cool here. It was the strongest one. How has it become that now it's just a, uh, it's just a ruin? Marbeitz lachaya, it is a place where wild animals just hang around and, and rest. Whoever walks past this city of ruins, they'll just hiss at it and wave their hand as if like, Ugh, it's nothing, the city is destroyed. Thank you so much for um, studying Tefania chapter 2. Looking forward to studying Tefania chapter 3 together.